Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks for joining us here for episode 478 with Randy Greaser. Randy is talking about how trust and healthy workplace cultures form and deforms. You'll learn one, how trust is built in the workplace, two, the six key elements of a healthy workplace culture, and three, some do's and don'ts for effective conflict management. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we've referenced here, it's at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F478. Now here's Randy's story. Randy Greaser is the founder and CEO of Achieve Center for Leadership and Workplace Performance. He's the author of The Ordinary Leader and co-author of The Culture Question. Randy is passionate about sharing the importance of creating healthy workplace cultures and believes leadership requires us to always be intentional about what we do and how we do it. Thanks to Randy for spending some time with us and thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome? And with a fresh year, perhaps you're like many small business owners looking for some fresh insight and talent to make 2024 extra amazing. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has created tremendous tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and free. I love how they make it so easy with their promotion and selection tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. No, no. No. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours, and small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome. That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, as in you are being awesome, be awesome, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Here is Randy. Randy, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on your show. Oh, absolutely. Well, could we start by hearing about some of your mountain biking escapades? Yeah, well, it's all about having fun and being happy. I think all of us need at least one thing that just really gets us going. Uh, I was in Canmore, uh, Canada, which is a you know just a beautiful mountain biking area. I hadn't been on my bike for about a week, and we flew in. My wife and I grabbed our bikes, went to the hills, and we were having supper that night. And I said, oh, that, that just made me happy, right? Uh, so, yeah, I like to get out as much as I can. You know, I'm not like top of the world class athlete by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but it's a great way to explore the wilderness. Um, we're also headed into uh, the Isle of Skye in Scotland oh, cool. uh, in September, which is going to be super cool. Oh, absolutely. Well, another thing I find super cool, other than forced segues, is you did a huge study on workplace cultures. Can you tell me, you know, what was sort of some of your most uh, striking discoveries there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when we started to put some uh, work into our book, The Culture Question, uh, we also put together kind of a survey of things we'd like to know about. Uh, and the fascinating thing with that, of course, is you don't know what you're going to get. You know, so we had some ideas about what we might find. 
But probably the most exciting thing we found was the secret to having your employees trust you as a leader. And so that we, we correlated 20 questions to the question of, I like where I work. And for everyone who said, I like where they work, the two strongest questions that correlated was this, I trust my direct supervisor. And for any of you listening who is a manager, is a supervisor, you know how important that is. Trust is the holy grail. Yeah, you know, when, when your employees trust you, they're going to move mountains uh, with you, right? You're not going to have to beat them or, or you know, to use the, the saying uh, carrot and a stick, right? You're not going to have to beat them or give them a reward. They're going to work towards your mission and vision because they want to and because they're inspired by you. Uh, and so the statement that most correlated with I trust my direct supervisor was this, my supervisor cares about me as a person. Now think about that, Pete. I mean, it, it, to, to us, that was just like, Wow, we didn't expect to find that. But the secret to trust is simply just caring about your staff at a human level. You know, we've heard that theme come up a few times from, you know, places like a, a Navy SEAL and, and, and more. So, yeah, let, let's dig into that. So caring, what are some ways that supervisors do a great job of caring and some ways that they frequently fall short and maybe just totally overlook it? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, first of all, I should have full disclosure here because when people attend my presentations or go to my workshops, they see that I'm actually a clinically trained social worker. And so then they roll their eyes and say, well, of course, a clinically trained social worker would talk about caring leadership. It's like the C word is this, this, this very scary word for people. But I always tell people I'm a social worker, but I don't do therapy with my employees, but I just ask them questions. You know, I just care about them at a human level. Like, uh, right Right now, one of our employees is a partner is in palliative care, and we've been really thoughtful about how do we support someone who's going through something like that. I have another staff member who, uh, you know, has a child that has, uh, you know, special needs, and how do we support an employee who periodically needs to to leave the office to go care for the child? Probably my favorite story I like to tell, though, that really gets at the heart of caring leadership, is I was giving this presentation and speaking about this, and someone came up to me afterwards and said, Randy this is so important to have a caring leadership. I've worked in my organization for two years and my supervisor doesn't know I have children. Wow. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, you shouldn't be asking someone if they have children the first day of the job. But Pete, anybody you know who's got children between the age of five and 15, on a Friday at the end of the day, if you say to them, hey, weekend's coming up. What are you doing this weekend? What do they say, Pete? Yeah. I'm taking my kids to, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's, so at a fundamental level, caring is not about doing therapy. It's just like, care about your staff. What did you do this weekend? You're going away on vacation. We're in the midst of the summer. You're taking a week off. Where are you going? Oh, I'm going with my kids, right? So it's really just about caring about people at a human level. Well, that is quite illustrative, you know, in terms of, you know, maybe a wake up call. If it's like, oh, I'm, I guess I'm not in the habit of, of asking. If someone says I'm not in the habit of asking those questions, then you may very well find yourself in, in that boat where you don't even know about uh, them having kids. So, yeah. And even just at a practical level, I mean, you said, well, what more can you do? Like one of the things that I meet so many managers is they're so busy working that they never eat with anybody else. Right. You know, and it's, you know, and I don't spend an hour eating with my staff. I don't even spend a half an hour eating with staff, but I've consciously chosen for that 10 minutes where I'm going to scarf down food. I mean, you can't really work on the computer while you're scarfing down food. Right. So I might as well spend it with people and just chat with them a little bit. 
Certainly. Well, I'd like to hear some more then, you know, so, so asking basic questions, you know, spending some time in, with, with food, <laughs> other, other key ways that uh, supervisors show care and fail to show care. Yeah. I mean, really, we just need to spend, spend time with people, build relationships. It's, you know, one of the core tenets of a healthy workplace culture that we talk about in our book is building meaningful relationships. And it's not just with managers and, and employees, but with everybody. What are we doing as an organization where we are fostering genuine connections? And one of the things we found in our interviews with people, and we found, you know, even just in our work as consultants, when we go into organizations, is organizations that are healthy. Uh, people like each other. People laugh. People smile. People pen- spend time together. It's just so clear. Uh, you know, when you walk into an organization, you feel that, right? Uh, my wife and I, when we were in Camor this weekend, we went to a couple different restaurants, right? And there was one restaurant where it was just striking that people hated being there, right? I mean, the service was terrible. People weren't smiling. People weren't connecting. And then you go to another restaurant and it's like the waiter staff, they're having fun with each other, right? They're bumping into each other. There's chit-chatting. And so if you think about that, even just your daily interactions, you go to the coffee shop, you go to the grocery store, you can see a healthy culture at work and, and, and people caring about each other. And so when we build workplaces where people genuinely uh, enjoy each other's company, uh, you know, we're, we're knocking one of the things that we need to do out of the park right away. Uh, and, and again, I've yet to come into a healthy organization where people don't like each other and don't have a little fun. Like each other, having fun, it makes total sense. Are there maybe some common workplace, I don't know, practices or policies that get in the way of that, that maybe should go? Well, yeah. I mean, I'll name a few things here. I mean, one uh, one is the obvious, which is in in the spirit of trying to improve workplace culture, people focus on perks, right? And so nothing drives me up the wall more than when I see some national publication release our best places to work. And inevitably, we hear things like free beer on Friday night, you know, yay, let's all go get drunk with our friends, right? I mean, really? Like, that's what makes a great place to work? And the proverbial foosball table, right? Exactly. It'll bring you pet the work day or free yoga. And there's nothing wrong with those perks. But, you know, and a lot of time management will check their tick off the list and say, listen, we've done we've done what we need to do to create healthy workplace culture. And many organizations just can't even afford these things. Right. To be frankly, like we work with a lot of not for profit agencies and I'm doing, you know, education systems where you can't afford perks. And so you got to do stuff beyond that as well. Some policies and practice I've seen that have gone the wrong way is, um, you know, mentorship programs. You know, I love mentorship programs. I mean, mentoring people, one of the mo- my most important tasks as a leader is to mentor people. And some formalized mentor programs get it wrong because they only mentor some people. And they, you know, Pete, you're, you're special. You're, you're, you're one of the few. Uh, you, aren't you lucky? You get to be, you know, mentored by me. Uh, and, and, and what does that do to everybody else is it demotivates them, right? And so our approach with mentorship is like, everybody should be motivated. Everyone should be growing and working towards and so we really don't like those mentorship programs where there's, you know, the kind of like your special uh, awards, right? You know, for achievements, for doing things, right? You know, awards have that kind of counterintuitive effect where for anybody with young children, you've always promised that you were never going to never going to say, you know, I need you to clean your room. And if you clean your room, I'm going to give you something, right? And the moment you break down and you do that and you say, you know, son or daughter, if you clean your room, I'm going to give you a, a you know, a, a, an award. What happens the next time you need? them to clean their room. 
They want the award. They want the award, right? And so then award becomes kind of this expectation as opposed to a way to actually motivate people. And so, you know, there's nothing wrong with perks for the sake of perks and, the, you know, and within reason. But when we only focus on perks at the expense of those other things that really help us make healthy workplace cultures, uh, we don't do our any self uh, well in terms of helping us create that culture. Well, you've, you've laid out six key elements of a healthy workplace culture, communicating purpose and values, providing meaningful work, focusing leadership team on people, building meaningful relationships, creating peak performing teams, and practicing constructive conflict management. I want to talk about the last one because I, I think that there are many organizations where there's just a whole lot of fear going on. It's like, I can't really tell you what I'm thinking, so I'm just going to say nothing. Or, boy, if we argue, we're not arguing well, there's like collateral damage. So how do we pull that off? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, I always say you can do a lot of things well, but the moment that people hate each other, the moment people are living in fear, it's going to be very difficult for you to be a successful organization and to function effectively. Right. And so when it comes to practicing conflict management, a few things that we really want to focus on is we want to start with leaders. Uh, interestingly, the second highest correlated statement that we found was that when leaders practice conflict management effectively, employees also do as well. We teach conflict resolution skills and one of the trainings that we offer. And, and one of the common themes we get from participants is, I wish my manager would have been here. Right. And managers think they've got it all figured out, but a lot of managers that don't, they, they tend to avoid. And even I, sometimes I'm like, you know, are we five years old? Do we have, you know, you, you got two kids in a sandbox, like you're not five, like learn to figure it out. So one of the most important things is to just to be aware of how detrimental conflict, conflict is inevitable. It's going to happen, right? It's natural. I mean, we're human beings in and of itself. It's not bad. It's how we manage it. And ironically, one of the ways that we build a culture that manages conflict effectively is we actually have to have some experiences of conflict and some experiences of getting to the other side and going like, oh, you're not a terrible human being. Like we had a disagreement, but then we had a natural human conversation and we resolved this issue. So it's kind of counterintuitive, but you do need to experience some level of conflict to actually learn to deal with it effectively. Uh, and so absolutely, you know, I run a training organization, so I believe in training. <laughs> One of the problems we get, Pete, is often we get requests for training like conflict resolution skills or respect for workplace planning to late. It's when we hate each other. And then it's like, well, the training was actually meant to be before we hate each other, you know, so that we could actually work through these things. Uh, now that we hate each other here, you know, you might need to do some things like mediation or some, you know, assessments and, and, and group conflict mediation type work. Uh, but a simple training is a band-aid effect when we're really not doing well. So right away from the get-go, we want to be establishing a culture that manages conflict effectively. For those of you in leadership, that means holding people accountable. It doesn't mean jumping in and saving the day, right? You know, being the hero for everybody. Sometimes it means meeting with people and coaching people. Hey, I noticed that, you know, you and Susan aren't talking anymore. What's that about? And holding people accountable and saying, you need to figure this out because this isn't going to be healthy in the long run. I'll tell you one of the worst experiences I had with conflict uh, not being managed effectively in our own organization. And that's one of the things I want to note, Pete, is a lot of our insights that we talk about in our book and that we teach in our presentation to 
strength training has come out of when we weren't doing well, right? There's been periods where we've learned the hard way. And one of the worst experiences I had uh, with conflict was with when someone was withholding information because they mm-hmm. wanted someone else to look bad. And then when a mistake happened and it made us look bad, he gloated and said, I knew that was going to happen. I just wanted you to see for yourself. Uh, and I was like, oh my, this conflict has gotten too far. Certainly. Well, so, okay, that's something clearly to not do. <laughs> Don't yeah. hold information and uh, look to make people embarrass themselves and fail. Check. Uh, what are some of the other key do's and don'ts for effective conflict management? Yeah, re- you know, really from a from an employee to employee perspective, it's, it's creating a culture of honest mutual feedback, giving people feedback, being sensitive about it, not being a jerk about it. But when you see something, say something. If, you, if something bothers you, don't wait for it to fester, right? And so one of the things that I do is, you know, within our organization is we partner people up. We say, listen, if you have to have a difficult conversation with someone, we have a lot of people who have experience doing that. Get together with someone and role play, you know, uh, Earlier on in my career as a manager, one time I did the classic, you know, the, you know, the appropriate, you know, coaching someone. Well, instead of me saving the day, why don't you go have that conversation with that person? Well, the person went and had a conversation with this person. It was like, you know, you swear word, swear word, swear word. If you ever do this again, I'm going to, you know, knock your head off. And I went back to the person and said, I told you to go talk to, well, you told me to go talk to the person. And I went and talked to them my way. And I'm like, oh, so when I'm coaching you to actually have the conversation, I had assumed you knew how to have an appropriate conversation but I actually need to walk you through that. Uh, I'm a big believer in role play as a leader. When I still have to have difficult conversations, I role play with some of my peer leaders uh, to just to kind of practice it and get it out there. Uh, one of the most important things we encourage our staff is to not to see the other person as a terrible person. Most people genuinely are reasonable people. 95% of us are pretty good human beings. Uh, mm-hmm. And we don't really actually want to hurt people's feelings, and, and but we do stupid stuff sometimes, right? <laughs> you know, we and and so the first thing is just to shift. You know, we have a T-shirt actually, Pete, and I should send it to you actually, and it's a great T-shirt. It says "Shift Judgment to Curiosity," and really what that's about is like when you think that someone's being a jerk, actually just be thoughtful for a second and go, well, maybe they don't mean that. Instead of judging them, be curious. Why are they acting in this way? It doesn't mean how they were acting is right, but it kind of humanizes our relationship a little bit more. So it's one of our favorite sayings, shift cut judgment to curiosity. Yeah, yeah that's that's good. And, and so uh, I'm curious. So, okay, so screaming the, uh, the swear words is not the way to go. And uh, doing some role play in advance can be super valuable. Any other pro tips for the actual conversation? Yeah, really one of the things that we try to stay away from is the emotion when we have a difficult conversation and, and focus on the problem and the task at hand, right? You know, uh, so don't make it about, you know, what your intent was, but actually just focus on this is how it made me feel, right? Uh, and so, you know, we go back to the classic uh, communication 101 I statements, right? When you do this, this is how it makes me feel. Most of the time that person didn't know that. Most of the time that person wasn't aware that that uh, your intent, right? We have a little diagram we have that's called action, intent, and effect, right? Uh, and and what ha- the action is what's out in the public for people to see, uh, but the intent is hidden and the effect is, is hidden. So sometimes even I will do something and I have no clue how it landed on you. Uh, and so we really encourage our staff to, to focus on the intent uh, and the effect of people. First of all, we just want to build a culture that, that has low levels of conflict to begin with, right? And again, and that's where we start to get into some of our other areas. 
areas. Uh, you know, when we hire people, what's one of the things we focus on? Like uh, one of our core values is, is that, you know, we want people to embody what we teach. We teach people to be respectful in the workplace. Uh, we teach people to manage conflict effectively. So we expect people to do that. And so we've crafted our interviewing questions to hire for people who fit our culture. Uh, and so right away, you know, when we have new people coming into the organization, if we sense that they're not fitting our culture, we nip things in the bud right away, right? So in general, uh, when it comes to implementing some of these, you know, six principles and elements of healthy workplace cultures, when it comes to the people effect, we need to start right when we hire people. Understood. And and so if, if you're talking to a professional who who is not in control, you know, they're, they're not sort of leading the organization and shaping the, the culture from the top, are there some basic things you recommend that uh, all people can do to contribute to boosting the, the culture and fun and, and liking each other vibes? You know, absolutely. I mean, I mean, first of all, I'll say that, that clearly leadership sets the tone of healthy workplace cultures, right? I mean, time and time again, I run into employees who's, who, who, who really want to improve their healthy culture, uh, but leadership's not on board. And so one of the first tasks that, that you have to do as an employee is try to influence leadership. And I use the experience, you know, when we, when we go back to the, the point about negative conflict, as I say, you know, this is not just about the well-being of employees in the workplace. This is about your financial well-being as well well. And so sometimes I use that approach to senior leaders, right? I mean, by the fact that, that we don't have a healthy workplace culture, people aren't sharing information. You know, we're not communicating well. Uh, people are not engaged because they're, you know, they're just putting in their time for a paycheck. And so they're not being as innovative. Like this is affecting our ability to be successful as an organization. So one of the reasons that we need to care about this as leaders is because it's actually going to help us. If you're a business, it's going to help you financially. If you're a social service agency or not-for-profit. It's just about being effective contributor to whatever role you're doing. And so, you know, when I'm when I'm giving this talk to C-suite professionals who sometimes need a little bit more grease to, to get them to think and care about, you know, the wellness of their employees, I, I really hammer home this point about when you have a healthy workplace culture, this is your competitive advantage. When one of the persons I interviewed, uh, you know, he clearly said to me, Randy, I could have jumped ship to a competitor uh, for, and it would have increase my salary. I mean, he was already making six figure salary and he said, I could have made, you know, half as, you know, a time 50% more, but I, I didn't go because I love the place I work. And, you know, a couple of years ago, I went through this, you know, Angelina and Brad Pitt divorce, you know, <laughs> scenario where it was just like all over. It was terrible. Like, and I was in, the, I was in the courts all the time and my senior staff, they had my back. They knew that this was important to me. They didn't make me feel bad. So why would I leave this place? They've been great to me. And so one of the things we talk about is, you know, money matters at the lowest end of the level. But once I, once, for many people, I mean, there's some professions, you know, I think of the sales profession as an exception there. But for many people, man, when they have a great place to work, they don't want to leave that environment, right? Because they've worked in places that aren't a great place to work. Uh, and so when you get senior leadership as an employee, if you kind of get senior leadership to talk and do that, I've had frontline employees grab this book and just show it to their leader and say, you know, it would really be great if you could read this and, and we could talk about this, right? And there's been slowly, you know, slowly people begin to change. One of the most exciting things that I've seen within healthy organizations is time and time again, when I talk to leaders and managers, they say one of their biggest issues is access and retention to key talent, right? Uh, well, you know, the secret to access and retention to key talent is be a great place to 
to work and your employees will bring in people for you. When there's job openings, they'll say, hey, you should come work here because we're a great place to work. Perfect. Well, Randy, tell me anything else you want to make sure to mention before we hear a couple of your favorite things. Well, it depends what else you're going to ask me. <laughs> you know, absolutely. I mean, I'd like to just kind of review the six key elements, if I may. I'll do kind of a quick summary. We've talked about the importance of conflict management, uh, communicating your purpose and values. Like most employees want to work in an organization that matters and makes a difference. Uh, most organizations want to be guided and, and connected to that purpose. Uh, meaningful work. Most people don't want to do work that, you know, uh, is just boring and irrelevant. And, and so making sure that people people's, uh, you know, interest and ability and purpose all aligned together. There's things that you can do there. Focusing your leadership team on people, really that caring about people we've talked about. Building meaningful relationships. Uh, you know, people want to like who they work with. We spend the vast majority of our waking hours at work. Wouldn't it be nice if we actually liked each other? One of the um, kind of unique things that we focused on in our book was uh, the importance of creating peak performing teams. It's really hard to know that we have a culture if we literally don't work together. And I've walked into organizations that truly don't work together. We have a bunch of individuals who show up. They don't even say hi to each other. They go to the little cubicle. They do whatever they do all day and they leave. So it's really difficult to establish a culture when we're not working together in teams. So those were kind of the six key things that, that, that really we want to focus on. Uh, and again, instead of perks, focus on these six things and you're going to have your healthy culture. And now could you share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? <laughs> you know, I don't memorize things well, but I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. My daughter inspires me. She's uh, she's 16 years old. She's super ambitious. Uh, last weekend, we climbed a mountain together, right? And we were we were we spent seven hours. It was seven hours, and it was quite the slog. And and there were several things that she said on the trip that I thought this is so cool that my 16 year old daughter can think this way. And one of the things that we talked about was sustained effort. You know, we'd been we'd been hiking up this mountain for four hours and it got really steep and it was like she said it's like you know two step forward one step back and then you know and we had a conversation about sustained effort what was kind of funny is we lost my partner and her mom right along the way when i say we lost she just stopped climbing and because she got scared and my daughter had said to her my daughter was trying to be encouraging her and this is a great quote from a 16 year old right don't let fear stop you from living life don't let fear stop you from living life. And I thought, how brilliant is that? I mean, I'm super inspired by my daughter for thinking that way and for persevering and continuing on. And how about a favorite book? You know, I picked this book up probably six, seven years ago, and I just can't help but always going back to it. Can I give you two books, Pete? Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, one, I love stories of other people. I love stories of people building things unique. Uh, and one of my favorite books, it seems a bit odd, but it's the biography of Warren Buffett, Tap Dancing to Work. Uh, you know, I believe passion is so important in how we work and that we, and if we want to inspire other people to be excited about their job. I love the fact that Warren Buffett is, what, 87, 88 years old now literally still runs a business, you know, not like a fake corner office, but actually is doing real work. And yet he's given away everything. Uh, and even the title of the book, Tap Dancing the Work. So really taps into, man, we got to like what we do, right? I mean, my son has graduated from high school, right? And he's torn about what he does. And like, I don't care what you do, but you better like it. Be excited about it. Be passionate about it because it's a long 40 years if you're not passionate about work. So I just love some of Warren's thoughts and 
quotes and you know he's not everyone thinks of him as a finance person but he's a great manager and a great leader as well another shout out is to uh, who we really resonate when it comes to how to motivate people uh, is uh, Daniel Pink and his book Drive uh, really really kind of pinpointed in on, on the, the three core areas of autonomy mastery purpose uh, we touch on you know even some of those in our six areas right so uh, really uh, he was a pioneer in kind of shifting the way we think about motivation and employee engagement so those are my two big books and if folks want to learn more or get in touch where would you point them well, come to our website, Achieve Center. Uh, we are based in Canada. We do work in the U.S. as well. So Center is spelled with an R-E. It makes it unique. Uh, so Achieve, A-C-H-I-E-V-E, Center, C-E-N-T-R-E dot com. And do you have a final challenge or call to action for folks seeking to be awesome at their jobs? Yeah, you know, you want to be awesome at your job, just be nice. Be a nice person. Be kind, right? You know, like someone the other day asked me, uh, you know, what do you look for when you're hiring people? I'm like, we want to work with nice people. Like at the end of the day, I want to like you as a human being. So, you know what? If we're all a little bit nicer to each other, uh, we're going to be awesome at our job and we're going to make awesome workplaces. Beautiful. Well, Randy, thanks for this and, and keep on caring. Yeah, thanks for having me on your show, Pete. What I really love about these conversations with these brilliant folks are the nuances, the subtleties, and I guess just the order of magnitude of stuff. Because, you know, to hear the advice, you should care about people at work, that's good. That's sort of not particularly insightful, I would say. Like, yeah, yeah, of course I should, I should, yeah, I got that. But to note that that is the number one factor they could find correlated to the I like where I work point is huge. And that's just a big reminder in terms of when you are working with folks with or your direct reports, you're collaborating with them to take the time in the midst of the fire drills and the, the rushing around and the urgency to connect on the human level, to show the caring, to ask the questions and to not be the person who's completely unaware that <laughs> your colleague has children who are five, 10 plus years old. So, so don't be that person, ask the questions, do the caring, and it makes it a, a better vibe for everyone. So good stuff from Randy. Hope you dug that and more. The show notes, transcript, and links are at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F478. If you haven't already, I hope you'll push subscribe button. If you do, you'll catch your next guest. It's Ann Grady. She's got some pro tips for resilience, how to make that happen all the better, and some really just wise ways to think and perceive it and live life uh, all the more enjoyably. Hope to catch you there. Peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers. Subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.